Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. What's up, Creekwood? What's up, Creekwood? Man, you got to give it to me. You got you to interact today. It's so good to have all of you with us today. And, um, you know, we are full today. I mean, I know there's a few seats in and out. Uh, around here, but I want to let you know that we are full and we have a Saturday night service, all right? So if you ever uh, are interested in going to one of our, to our Saturday night service, there's, there's room in that service, so I want to enc- uh, encourage you to, to save seats on Sunday for those that are coming in on Sunday. So I do want to give a shout out um, for our Easter services. We had over, we had six Easter services. We had over 2,500 people that walked through our doors over Easter, which is awesome. We saw dozens of people accept Christ. And I just want to say that was because of you. That was because of your love for people. And uh, you guys invited people and they came. And I just want to say thank you for lifting up the name of Jesus. Those, how many of you know those services were awesome? Were they not? I mean, incredible, incredible services. And uh, we are we're starting a new series called How to Know When You Grow. And so I don't know about you, but we all have this kind of innate desire to grow. We have this, this thing where we don't ever want to stay stagnant in our lives. And uh, how many of you, when you were a kid, you charted your growth, like maybe on the wall in your room? Raise your hand. Show me. All right. Many of you. Yeah. Even kids, we want to chart our growth. And nowadays, as we get older, we have all these devices to like measure growth in your life, right? So uh, we have a, a scale in your bathroom. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I could eat anything. Now that I'm 42, if I look at food wrong, like I gain weight, okay? But we have all these devices. We, we wear Fitbit, Fitbits and, and we have all these different things. Uh, one time I was speaking up here and I had a Fitbit on and I hit my 10,000th step, all right, up here on the stage. And it like I had a little party in my wrist go off. So it was awesome. Uh, but we have all these devices. Uh, if you're in the gym, you have a bench press. In fact, I'm gonna go ahead and bring, have the ushers go ahead and bring out the bench. I'm just kidding. We're not gonna do a bench press. How cool would that be though? Um, but I don't know about you, but when, when it comes to growth, I want growth to happen overnight in my life. And I don't know, like when I was a kid, I wanted to grow taller instantly. Like any of you seen the movie Big? Best, best Tom Hanks movie ever. All right, he has, he has this, he, he, he makes a wish that he's gonna grow bigger and then he wakes up, he's a grown man. That's what I wanted it to be like. And I love that movie because there's this, there's this one song, in it, and it goes like this. If you know it, go ahead and sing it with me. It goes, ooh, Shalita, walking down the street 10 times a week. I meant it. I said it. I stole my mama's credit. I'm cool. I'm hot. Sock you in the stomach three more times. You guys remember that? Okay, if you haven't seen Big, that's your homework, all right? It's the best movie ever. But when I was a teenager, I wanted to be stronger instantly. Like, I wanted to be so strong. I wanted to be like the Geico commercial, you know what I'm talking about, where the guy just keeps getting stronger every time. That's what I wanted to be like. When I first started working for a CPA firm, uh, I wanted to be a partner instantly, like overnight. But I worked for Arthur Anderson, and God knew what he was doing, all right? He took me out of that place. Um, the growth is one of the most frustrating things in our lives because it never happens overnight. And if you've lived a little bit, you know that growth is a process. There's a process 
to growth in our life. I want you to turn with me to John 15. We're gonna, we're gonna look at John 15 really all throughout this message. But Jesus is just hours away from being taken to be crucified. And so he is literally speaking some of his last words. Anytime someone, especially Jesus, is speaking some of his last words, it carries weight. So you better listen. And so Jesus knows he is about to leave his disciples and he wants them to know how to grow. All right, so John 15, one through four says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So what Jesus is saying is, when you think about your relationship with me, I want you to think of me, Jesus, as the vine. He says, I'm the true vine, which implies there's some fake vines out there. We could get into that, but I'm not going to. He's saying, I am the true vine. In other words, I'm the vine that goes in the ground. There's roots being had, and then I'm what comes up out of the ground. I'm what's bringing you life. And if we had kept reading in verse 5, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And so when you think about a tree, he is the trunk coming out, and you are the branch. You're the one that's reaching out. That's what he's saying. And then he goes on. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Now, most of us don't read it that way. We, we read, I am the true vine, and my father is the genie, not the gardener. Most of us don't want a gardener God. Most of us want a genie God. But you have to understand that God is a gardener. He is not a genie. You have to quit looking at God like he's a genie in the bottle and your wish is my command. That's not how God works. He's a process. He's a God of process. And so the problem is if you're coming into this series and we're setting this series up on how to know when you grow and you view God like he's a genie, like, man, I went to that church one time and it didn't work. Man, I listened to that pastor one time. He said, if you would pray, everything would change. And I prayed once, and it didn't work. Man, I went to that church one time, and they said, if you'll tithe, God will open the the floodgates of heaven on your behalf and pour out. He said, I tithed once, and it didn't work. If you look at God like he's a genie in the bottle, you will be disappointed because he is not a genie. He is a gardener. And there's a process to growth. And so I want to talk to you about the process of growth. I believe there's three processes, and I want you to write these down. If you're taking notes, write them down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write these down, all right? So there's three processes of growth that I want you to understand in your life, not in the genie in the bottle, not in the instant gratification kind of way, not in a genie, but a gardener style of growth. The first is the process of preparation. I'm in the process of redoing my backyard right now. Okay, so all last year, I literally like gutted my backyard, all right? And for the first time in my life, because I thought, you know, I can figure out where to grow things. I'll know, I'll put the plant, certain plants over here, and I'll put certain plants over here. Oh, these are pretty. I'm gonna put these over here. These look nice. These are gonna grow good. But I don't know soil types, natives. Like, I don't know anything about plants. And so the first time in my life, I hired a landscape designer. Best money I ever spent. 
Okay, I'm just telling you. Because she knows exactly where things should grow and things, oh, this one needs shade and this one needs full sun and blah, blah, blah. They know. And I don't know. And I told her one thing. I said, I don't want you to plant something. I'm not going to plant something that's going to die in two months because I want sustained growth. I don't know about you, but I feel like that's what God wants in our life is sustainable growth. And I believe that's what God wants. That's what I want to talk about today is what does it look like to have sustainable growth in your life? And so on spring break, just a few weeks ago, I bought, she told me to buy some some grass. This is where you're going to put the grass. And so I bought five pallets of grass, all right? So let me show you a picture of the five pallets of grass. That picture looks like work to me is what it looks like, okay? And so all I thought I was going to do was just lay the sod on the ground. That's not how it works. I wanted so badly just to pick those squares up and lay it on the ground. But you know what I had to do all last year? I had to get prepared for that moment right there. You know, last year I removed tree like massive trees in my backyard drowned the stumps like I had to pull the weeds and pull out 15 foot red tips from the roots all the way out digging things out in, our, in my backyard like tilling and raking and cultivating the soil all to get ready for the sod and it was backbreaking work and um, do you know why I chose spring break to lay the sod. Someone said cheap labor. Okay, that's what it was. It was cheap labor. I have two boys that I've been raising over the last 14 years, investing in in the last 14 years. It's time to get a return on my investment. Can I get an amen from a parent in this place? Thank you. Okay, it's time. All right, so I told the boys on Monday of spring break, I said, listen, we're going to have a party. Invite your friends. It's going to be awesome. And so they invited little Preston and Raven and Jonah Pedroza and Brayden and Landon. They were all at the house and said, have fun tonight. Video games. Yeah. Pizza. But at 9 a.m. tomorrow, you're mine. And we did it. We would, I mean, we laid five pallets of sod. It was crazy crazy work that by the end of it, they were like, when's spring break going to be over? I've never heard that before, but that's the way they were doing it. Before God plants a seed, he always prepares the soil. Before God plants a seed, he'll always prepare the soil in your life. Before growth can happen, God has to uproot some things in your life. This is why you're uncomfortable. This is why it doesn't feel good right now. He's uprooting some things in your life. He's cultivating some things. Have you ever had a rake go over your back? It hurts. Ecclesiastes 3.2 says there's a time to plant and there's a time to uproot. There is a time to uproot in your life. Have you ever had something dug out of you and you didn't want God to take it away? When I was in college, the girlfriend I had for two and a half years broke up with me destroyed me. I don't, I don't, honestly, up to that point in my life, I had never experienced that kind of pain before. I was devastated, and I was praying to God, like, Lord, she does not know what she's doing. God, help her. She, would you bring her back? Would you change her mind, change her wicked ways? All right, like, and I was like, and I'm like, get her back, get her back. And the Lord said, no. How many of you know 
that no is a legitimate answer. We always think we got to have a yes from God. But here's what God told me while I was preparing this message. He said, God's no today is preparation for a better yes tomorrow. God's no today in your life is actually better, a preparation for a better yes tomorrow. You have to understand how powerful that is. And you know, just three months later, I ended up meeting this, this like angel of a woman. And, and she was in church, and I was like, who is that person? She's amazing. And I met her, and I'm like, this is the one. And I, when I met her and I knew she was the one, I said, God, I thank God for unanswered prayers. I was like Garth Brooks. I wanted to sing. And I'm just telling you, God knows what he's doing. His timetable is different than yours, and he has to uproot some things in your life. And it hurts when he does it, but he knows exactly what he's doing. If God is digging some things in your, out of your life, let it go because something better is on the way in your life. God will always dig before he builds. God will always dig before he builds in your life. This is part of the preparation process. And so the D represents disappointment because God will have to dig out the disappointment in your life. He will have to dig out your dreams and replace your dreams with his dreams. I thought I was gonna marry this girl. God had a different plan for my life. He had to dig that out. That's the first layer. Then what he'll do is he'll dig the second layer, and that's the layer of insecurity in your life. Let him keep digging because you'll say, well, well, if she doesn't like me, will anyone like me? What was wrong with me? And so I have all these insecurities. And so God, let God dig through the disappointment. Let him dig through the insecurities because what he's going to get to is the gift, the gift in your life. And if God gives you a gift in your life, if he gives you a calling, by the way, every single one of you have a gift. God has a purpose for your life. You have a unique gift for that purpose. And when you let God get down to the, the gift in your life, that's where he can begin to build. That's where he can begin to lift you up. But you have to, so sometimes you're getting all mad because he's digging in your life. He's getting to something that's gonna help you in the future. Let him keep digging. Let him keep digging. Preparation isn't meant to be a punishment. He's actually doing you a favor. And I've learned the length of the preparation process is really up to me. It's not up to God. So listen to this. Are you, do you have the capacity to handle growth in your life? Do you have the, the capacity to handle an increase in your finance, finances right now in your life? People think they do. But you go ask the, the, the people that have won the, the lottery do you know 70% of lottery winners go bankrupt? That doesn't make sense. They got more money. How do they go bankrupt? Because they can't handle the growth. So many people can't. What's your capacity for handling growth in your life? I believe there's two things. If you want to fast track the preparation process in your life, the first thing is you have to learn a heart of humility. You have to have a heart of humility. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that, me, that he may lift you up in due time. Your job is to humble yourself. And what his job is to do is to lift you up. This is where so many people get it backwards because God is digging down. He gets to the level of your gift. But where people make a mistake is they think they're the one that's good. They think they got the gift. Oh, I'm good now. I'm, I, I can do this now. Man, I'm a good real estate agent. I'm a good, whatever it is, whatever you do. And you think you got there because you're so good. 
And God's going, no, 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 I can't lift you up like that. You think you're better than your boss. You might be, but he is over you. He is, she is over you, whatever. She has authority over you. Quit looking at yourself like you're so good. This is the way God works. He's not a genie. He is a gardener. There's a process. And if you look at it, it says, um, Proverbs 18, 12 says, before the, a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. God wants to lift you up. He wants to, but you control the preparation process. How long are you gonna be in the preparation process? He is testing you all the time. The good news is, if you fail the test, you get to take it again, all right? That's the way it works, right? You get to keep taking the test. The second thing I think is so huge is who's in control determines capacity. Who's in control determines your capacity. And so when I bought all those pallets of grass, I also bought seven 30-gallon pots, trees in a pot. So there's a 30-gallon pots, you know, these huge trees. And when I asked the lady, when I went and picked them up, I, I said, I, I was like, man, I really like Kendall, but I really like Kendall's truck, okay? And so we went and I took his truck and we went and picked up all, all the, the trees. And, and the, I said to the lady, I said, will these, will these trees grow anymore? She said, as long as they're in the pots, they won't grow. But if you'll take them out of the pots, they'll continue to grow. And so the question I have for you is who's in control of your life? Is it you or is it God? Because if you're in control of your life, it's like keeping the the tree in this pot. But if you let God control your life, God will grow your pot. That's a drug reference. God will grow your pot, okay? God will grow your pot, okay? So pastor says God will grow your pot. We got people coming from all over the place. Where's the, where's the pot out here? I mean, where's it growing? But I'm, and I, and we'll use the word container, okay? God will grow. So if you let God control your container, what happens is he will, he'll, he'll say, as long as you got me confined, as long as you're in control, the roots can only go so far. But if you'll let me take you out of this pot and into another container, your whole backyard, the Bible says he will do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Craziness what God can do when you let him be in control of your life and let him trust your life. Craig Shell says this, you can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. Wow. You can't have both. The second is the process of pruning in your life. The process of pruning. John 15, one through two says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I really don't like this verse because I don't love the fact um, that, that God, if he's, he's comparing fruitless branches and fruitful branches, I don't like the fact that if I'm fruitful, why don't you reward me? Why would you, why would you prune me? What he's saying right here, like I want the God to go, oh, you good little branch, you're amazing. And he gives you all these compliments. You did so good. That's not how God works. What he's actually saying is that the same cutting sensation that happens to a fruitless branch also happens to a fruitful branch. We don't like to hear that. That's actually what happens. And so it's as if Jesus is saying, you're snipped if you do. And you're snipped if you don't. 
That's what some of you are getting at. Okay. But you snipped if you do and you snipped if you don't. That's what Jesus is saying. I hate these pruning shears, by the way. They do a good job on this stuff. But I'm just telling you, like, I hate the sound because I got cut by one of these one time. And it hurts so bad. And every time I hear this, it's like, it's like nails on a chalkboard. You know what I'm talking about? Let me keep doing it. It's kind of, yeah. um, but do you know why every year people cut back their crepe myrtles? Do you know why? So they'll grow back stronger and better. They'll be even more fruitful. There's a difference between being cut off and being cut back. There's a difference, right? There's a big difference. And I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for my life. I rarely see growth without pain in my life. You know, we started Creekwood uh, with three families. And all that means is if you started, started an organization with three families, that means there is a ton of work with very few people to go around. And so we literally did everything with three families. And so I was specifically over our finances, and it was like crazy. Like as the church grew, the finances were getting, were changing, and everything was changing, and it was more and more work. And I was over our, our volunteers and scheduling, and, and I was over our life groups. I was over our teaching, our classes, our Discovering Creekwood classes, and the curriculum and the material. And, and I was over the creative stuff. Like I had, I'm just telling you, when I look at a picture on a wall, I cannot tell you what I see. I am not that creative type person, but I was over creative. And so, and they would say, well, we're going to be doing a series on growth. And I'm like, just, I don't know, just put a plant on the screen. I don't know what to do, all right? I'm not creative. And so, but I was over that, and I was working with the creative guys, and I was working with uh, developing a website. I don't know how to do a website. I made all the videos back in the day. I'm telling you, they were terrible, all right? And, and, and I was doing all this, all this work, and it was craziness, craziness. And, and, and by the way, there was, I, when, you, when you're planting a church, you, the, the income, I was making jack, okay? Like I was making nothing, all right? So, so I had to go get another job, and so I tutored accounting at SMU, all right? And every time I went to, to tutor and I would leave to go up to Dallas, my little Landon would laugh. And I said, what are you laughing at? He said, you're going to tutor. And he's thinking, I'm going to toot for a living. Like that's what I'm doing. I'm, going to, I'm tooting for a living. That should be a country song. Tooting for a living. I mean, I feel like it could be. It could be. Um, but that's what he thought I was doing. We have some staff that could toot for a living. I really believe it. Um, and, um, but, but it's crazy. And so I had like 20 students every semester that were calling me. Hey, yo, Brad, what's up, B? Hey, man, I need you to change the schedule. I'm not going to be there today. But I need you to come tomorrow. What? Like, so I'm, I didn't know if I was I didn't know what was happening in my life. The church was growing. I had other income. Everything was, ah, all I know, August 2011, something broke. Something broke in my life. And I found myself in the emergency room at 35 years old, which doesn't make any sense. Could barely breathe. So I had like this panic attack in the middle of the night, freaking out. I did not know what was going on. I started, I couldn't. I couldn't go to sleep the next two weeks. I had migraines. The, everything, everything was dizzy, crazy dizziness going on, migraine headaches. I had 24-7 migraines. If you've ever had a migraine, you're like, oh, dear Lord, I don't, I don't want to ever experience that again. 24-7, sitting with a migraine, coming up here, faking it till I make it. That's the only way I knew how to say it. It was terrible, terrible. 
and, and, and I, I felt like I was going to die. And I went, this, okay, this is how it's going to go. I told Elise, I said, I think I'm going to die. This is how I'm being cut off. And I'm here to tell you seven years later, I'm still standing. I'm still here, okay? And I'm telling you, if you have, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I haven't cut you off. All I've done is cut you back. There's a difference between being cut off and cut back. And I truly believe there's people in here today. I don't know who you are. I don't know who I'm speaking to. But you've walked in here today and you feel like you've been cut off from your potential. You've been cut off from your purpose. And I'm telling you, if you are still standing, if you are still here, God has not cut cut you off. He is just cutting you back. And he is going to bring something in your life. If he's cut you back, that means there is a comeback coming. That means there's a comeback coming. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Your joy is coming back. I believe someone needed to hear that today. Your joy is coming back. Some of you haven't laughed in a long time. You don't even know how to laugh anymore because there's nothing. It, 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 you, don't, you don't understand what peace and joy feels like. God wants to give that back to you in your life. Life may cut you, but God is holding the scissors in your life. All you can see right now is what the people did to you. All you can see right now is what that company did to you. All you can see right now is what that church did to you. All you can see right now is what your mom's, the disease your mom's going through. And it feels like life is cutting you off, but I'm telling you, there is a vine. If you'll hang on to the vine, you haven't been cut off. You've been cut back. And if you've been cut back, there's a comeback in your life. I really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to say the, the, devil, the cut the devil meant to destroy your life is the same cut God will use to grow your life. Man, that doesn't make any sense, but that's the way God works. Then the last, the last process I think is so powerful is the process of patience. You have the process of preparation, the process of pruning in your life, but the process of patience is huge. John 15, 5 and 6 says, I am the vine, You are the branches. If you remain in me. Now, I want you to underline, circle, star, whatever you got to do, that word remain. Remain is a huge word. If you will remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Honestly, I don't want to talk about the word patience. I want to talk about the word suddenly. I like the word suddenly. All of a sudden, God, that's what it is in scripture. We like that. I want to grow taller. I wish I was a little bit taller, right? You guys know that song? I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call You don't know that song. You don't know that song. I'm just dating myself. All I'm saying is we, we, some of you do know that song. That's what's scaring me more. How does Pastor Brad know that song? Okay. I wasn't always a pastor. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're, we're okay, growth. Okay. But I don't want to talk about patience. I want to talk about suddenly. I got a, I got a video I really want to show you. And this is a proud dad moment. So let me have this moment. All right. This is of Landon playing baseball. Can we go ahead and show this amazing video? That's Elise. Act like you've been there before. 
Come home like Superman. Come home like Superman. Yeah. Good job, land it. Come on, job. All right, all right. Can we watch that again? I want to say that again. No, I'm just kidding. You know how many times I've watched that video? About 500 times. You know how many times I've shown that video? About 500 times. But do you know how many times I have pointed this stupid camera at that kid in a baseball game and all I saw was a strikeout? You know how many times all I saw was a ground ball? Do you know how many times, you know how many videos we have that are useless, all right, on this phone? Because here's the thing. If you don't capture all the misses, you are going to miss the the miracle. You got to learn how to remain. You got to learn how to remain faithful. Danielle Strickland, when she was here speaking, she, she was, some of you know her, she's an author, she's a pastor, she's this incredible, she was here probably four or five years ago, and when she was here, she said this amazing thing, she says, when you go to Australia, you know what you have to do? You got to go surfing. She said, because you're in Australia, and so she goes surfing, she wants to learn how to surf, and so she gets in the water, and she kind of messes up, and she's, she's tired, and she's on the beach, and she's with her surfboard, and she's looking at all these surfers, and she tells the surfer, she said, Man, I just want to catch a wave like those guys catch the wave. And the guy said, you know, if you're ever going to catch a wave, you got to remain in the water. You got to learn to, to be faithful, remain faithful in your life. There's going to be some church planners that are going to say, hey, Brad, how all of a sudden did Creekwood get over 2,500 people at an Easter service? And I'm going to laugh. <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a sudden. What? We had to learn how to remain. Don't get me started about church. I will tell you all about it, all right? So what we did is when we were at three people starting in a, high, in, in a living room, let me step back, we had to learn how to remain faithful. When we, and when we did, we moved into Roging Worley Middle School. And you know what we did? We remained faithful. By the way, we were terrible, okay? And when we moved into to Mansfield High School, we remained faithful. So God opened up a door to, to, for this facility, and this facility is awesome. But I'm telling you, we learned how to remain faithful. And I'm telling you what God is doing right around the corner in this church, you are going to be blown away by it because what we're learning how to do is not to be great. Our gift isn't that great. God's put the gift in us. He's not a genie. He is a gardener God there's a process to growth and what he's about to do in this place he's amazing not because we're so good but because we've learned how to remain faithful you got to learn how to remain faithful it's huge all of us we want to see the walls come down in Jericho but we don't really want to walk six times around and I certainly don't on the seventh time want to walk seven times around oh my word you don't know how to remain faithful I see a lot of people get stuck by, by right here because you're actually okay with the digging in your life. You like to see the digging because it's preparing for growth. And then the growth happens, and you love the growth. You love for God to get to the gift. You love to see it. But once you get pruned, this is where people leave. This is where people struggle. This is why this is the hardest part. Because remaining takes faith. Remaining takes Faith. The substance, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so what God is doing in your life is so subsurface. It's so below the surface that you don't see the growth and it gets you frustrated and all you want to do is leave at that point. And it's so frustrating. Most of us want to be fruitful, but we don't understand how to be faithful. First, and, and I, when I first read, I, this is such good news. 
when I first read John 15, I've read this probably 50 times this week as I was preparing for this message. And here's what I found out. This is good news for everyone in here. God's not asking you to grow your own fruit. God's not asking you to grow your own fruit. But the world, here's every time I try to grow my own fruit, I mess it up. The world is saying, grow your own fruit. The world is saying, here's the standard. Here's the level you have to reach. Here's what I want you to arrive at. And so we keep striving, we keep striving, we keep working harder, we keep working harder. This is what the world is always telling us to do. And the, girl, and, and the world says, you know, until you get your body to look like this, you have not arrived. And so we keep striving and we keep striving. Look, I don't have a problem with you working out your body. I don't have a problem with you eating right. But if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, right? And so we keep striving and we keep striving in our life. And here's what God's saying. And so many of us, honestly, we're striving. And here's where we are. We've remained in God. But once we get pruned and it hurts, it hurts. We want to leave. We go, God, I see growth over there. I see it over there. I'm going to leave you because you're holding me back. You're holding me back. I see it over here. And the Holy Spirit's going, I'll wait. I'll wait. Because I'm not asking you to grow. I've asked you to remain. And if you will remain, I will bear fruit in you. But quit trying to grow it yourself. Quit striving. I'm not going to lie to you. When I was being cut and pruned and it was hurting me so bad, all I'm saying is there was something within me. I thought I was going to die. I didn't know if I could keep doing this. And I was over here with God and I had been pruned and I was hurting so bad. And the enemy starts to talk in your heart. The enemy starts to talk into your mind. And the enemy began to go, you know, you've got a business degree anyway, right? Really? You weren't even supposed to do this, remember? I think God really had you in business. I think you went to the wrong place. Were you really, were you really supposed to do this? By the way, you've been praying for seven years. He hadn't healed you. Does he really even answer like that? Huh. I began to think about it. I said, God, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep faking it until I make it can't keep doing it. One word God told me in seven years wasn't that I'm going to heal you. It wasn't that I'm going to get it all figured out. It was one word. Remain. Brad, I'm just asking you to remain. Brad, I need you to remain can't do this. This is too difficult for me, God. I can't go on. And I felt like God said, I'm not asking you to try harder. Because whenever you start feeling bad, guess what you start doing? I'm going to go to this doctor. I'm going to go to this doctor. I'm going to try this medication. I'm going to change my diet. Everything's going to change. We're going to change. I'm going to work harder, 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 harder. I am my own best advocate. Freaking out. We're going to work out harder. I'm going to be ripped for Jesus. All right, that's what I was saying. Oh, and God said, quit trying harder, but remain. If you'll learn to remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. I love what, the very end, I'm ending with this. I love what, the, what, what happened to Jesus when Jesus was leaving, when they, were, when they were arresting Jesus. The Roman guards were arresting Jesus. And Peter, you know what he did? He took out his sword and he cut off the man's ear. You remember that? 
one thing Jesus said back to Peter was, put your sword away. Some of you right now, you're like this with your sword. You're striving, you're striving. I can do this. I'm gonna work a little bit harder. My Instagram feeds are gonna be amazing. I'm gonna look good every day. I can't keep it up on my own though. But you're like this every day. And you got your tools out because you keep digging on your own and you keep digging and you keep digging. And I feel like the Holy Spirit said, put your sword away. Put the tools down. I'm not asking you to grow after that. I'm not asking you to make your own fruit. I'm asking you to remain. Some of you need to hear this today. You're reaching and it's okay to reach. You're the only thing that can reach on a tree. You're the branch. Reach, strive for the goals. Get it, get it, get it. Get your six pack. I've been praying to God that I'd build a dunk again in my 40s. God laughed. And I'm just like, get, get your goals, whatever it is. But remain. Remain in God. He is the vine. He may prune you back, but it's only to grow you greater. Let's pray right now. God, I don't know who this is for. But I pray in the name of Jesus over every person in this place, whether they're being prepared right now, whether they're being pruned right now, or they're being asked to be patient right now, I pray in the name of Jesus. There's someone right now that feels like they've been cut off and they did not know there was actually a cutback. They thought it was just a cutoff. They didn't know you still have a plan and a purpose for their life. And I pray, God, right now an anointing will come over their life they would know in the name of Jesus that you got their back and there's a comeback coming. If you're in this room and you don't know, you don't know this vine, you don't know the true vine, you don't know Jesus, maybe you want to know Jesus for the first time. You say, man, I want to know Jesus. I want him in my heart. If that's you, I I just want to pray for you. I don't want to do anything weird. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front or I just want to pray for you. Say, Brad, I want to accept Jesus in my heart for the first time. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Would you raise your hand right now? I just want to pray for you. Just pray this simple prayer in your heart. Just say, God, I I ask that you would come into my heart. I need you. I need a Savior. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that you can be saved. that's you, I I just want to say you've just made the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. Lord, I pray a blessing over every person in this place. Lord, I pray for growth over every person in this place. I pray for growth over this church. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.